0: Before we get into the episode, we wanted to address the recent election that's just happened in the UK.
1: As two people who care about the rights for marginalised and underprivileged people, we are honestly devastated.
0: But although we didn't get the result we wanted, we made
1: our voices heard and we came together to fight for the things that we believe in. It feels like the country is trying to tear itself apart and that somehow lies and deceit are prevailing and misogyny, racism and homophobia seem to be gaining footholds wherever we look. We want to give everyone
0: the space they need to grieve and be angry at the world, but we also want to check in and remind you all to
1: look around at the good people in your life. The reason the election hit us so hard is because we're lucky enough to be surrounded by people who think and feel the same way we do about the country we live in, and outside of that bubble, it's hard to sift through the noise and the lies.
0: Except that bubble is not a bubble, easily popped and broken. It's more like a force field that we've grown and filled with a community we love. We protect each other and expand that force field with kindness and compassion.
1: Throughout the books, Lyra, that little selfish girl we know and love from the first few chapters, will grow. She'll learn so much and she'll question the beliefs and assumptions thrust onto her by a corrupt society and will break more rules than we can count.
0: It's hard right now not to feel a little hopeless and a lot angry. When we look at the people elected to run our country, it's scary. We are scared, but we're also hopeful.
1: Now that our government is starting to look more and more like the Magisterium, it's more important than ever to be more Lyra. We need to speak up, make clever decisions, be brave, and listen to the pans in our lives, and hang on to that oh so pan suspicion of authority figures.
0: In the days since the election, we've both seen and heard so much to make us feel hopeful. Not from watching the news, but from taking a moment to see what the people in our lives are doing.
1: We've seen so much kindness and support in the wake of the election, So many people reaching out and trying to understand, using their grief and anger to fuel change, taking their feelings and channeling them to a force for good, giving to charities, getting more involved in their local government and getting involved in social groups. It's hopeful.
0: We are so proud of the little community we're building here and want to encourage you to reach out to each other if you need a helping hand, a shoulder to cry on or even a good old-fashioned vent. The conversations and connections we've already made with you are so important to us and we are so, so grateful.
1: The world's a scary place, but we've got each other and we've got stories.
0: So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi! And I'm Rachel. Hello! This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free.
1: In this episode, we're talking about Chapter 5, The Cocktail Party. the last five minutes since we recorded a tv episode oh i've been doing great how's your ear yeah, it's all right this is going to come out two weeks later and you'll still be <laughs> upset about your infected ear yes i have an
0: infected ear and it's really gammy and horrible and i talked about it in one of the tv show episodes and i've had some painkillers since we recorded the episode and i've eaten i feel a, yeah. feel a bit better yeah a bit better
1: we just had a, a cheeky episode of Veronica Mars while we ate some dinner. We did. And then I nuked a sponge syrup pudding from Tesco <laughs> because I misread the packet because I was distracted by Veronica and her antics. Yeah. And I've basically accidentally made toffee in one of Faye's bottles. <laughs> so it was is so fucking sorry, rock hard. Like, <laughs> it just
0: kind of makes you feel a bit scared about what the fuck is actually in these things. I mean, yeah. they're
1: delicious, but I mean, also rock hard your body is not a microwave that's going to run for three minutes so you've got no danger of it turning into that in your stomach yeah, yeah fair <laughs> yeah, fair, so fair but what, quite dramatic
0: what have you been up to
1: Rach? <laughs> i did dragon meat this mm-hmm. weekend it was really fun i kind of said in a previous episode when i just done comic-con that cons are my new favorite space and the same definitely applies to dragon meat lovely people everyone's so nice Again, some, like, interesting costumes. Some people were dressed as their characters. So, if you don't know, Dragon Meat is um, a tabletop RPG gaming convention. And so it takes place at the Novotel in Hammersmith. And I was in the trade hall, which was, like, a bunch of people that sell, like, the books that go with games and, like, games and cards and dice and dice. So many dice and dice holders. And then, like, some of the, like, figurines and stuff for your characters. And then there was like another hall upstairs that had some trade tables and then another floor and people were running games. So you could sign up for a game to play oh. for like three hours. It was like an RPG game and people came dressed as their characters. It was really cute and everyone was so friendly. But I'm also now knackered mm-hmm. because I always get a bit frantic after I kind of get really excited for like all the new things. and like, I'm busy trying to sign myself up for stuff in the new year and I kind of forget to take a break and breathe. And then I also find myself just procrastinating. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah. The amount of stuff I did before taking notes for this chapter. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to tidy the whole house. <laughs> it's like, no, hey, you've got a podcast, Rachel. You've got to do that shit. I've been saying this like for a
0: while, but I just find this time of year is is difficult. I was thinking about what, what I've been up to and I haven't really done that much. My anxiety has been super bad recently and... I just kind of got over that hurdle and then I got my little ear infection and I was like for
1: fucks sake. going through
0: the wars. Yeah, but I'll be okay. It's important to talk about these things though.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think it's nice that you're still able to do stuff because like you say you've not done a whole turn, but we were out on Saturday night. We were. You know, I think you're still really good at being quite kind of forcing yourself to be social because what cheers makes you feel better is hanging out with your mates and that's really hard to do when you're feeling like anxious yeah it would even though you know it'll help
0: (laughs) yeah it was one of the probably the one of the worst bouts I've had in a while like last week and I was just like oh god this is horrendous and I didn't really want to see anyone but I don't think I did for like Wednesday Thursday Friday Mm. I was like super hermit but you kind of sometimes have to try and like force yourself out of it a little bit And yeah, we did have a good night on Saturday. I was mad when I woke up and my ear was killing, so I was like, oh, I'm a bit hungover. My ear hurts. (laughs) uh, Like I said last week or whenever it was, I always feel like I'm being, when I say, oh, what have I done this week? Or how am I feeling? I'm always like a big, miserable bastard, but I am. Word's better now. I'm just annoyed about my gammy ear. showed a picture of it as soon as she walked in the door. I was like, Rich, look at my ear. It's pretty grim. It's pretty crusty. Yeah. I tried to show her, actually show her, but she couldn't see it properly. So I was like, don't you worry. I took a picture. Sent it to my mum. Sent it to Liam. Me- messaged my friend Amy being like, do you want to see it? And she was like, I kind of do, but I also don't. And I was like, I won't force it on you then. But I was like, sent it to Zach. I was like, who wants to see my ear? It's so disgusting.
1: <laughs> oh, you're so gross. I love it. I love it <laughs> In, uh, on on this topic, what would your demon have been this week? <laughs> Do you know, I haven't thought about it,
0: because I feel all of my demons so far have been something about me being miserable.
1: I don't know, last week it, it was a bulldog, because yeah. you were all so excitable about what you needed to get hyped for.
0: That's true. What animal has some kind of issues with their ears?
1: <laughs> would oh, be me right now. Um, oh, I don't know, because I know bats hear really, really well. What doesn't hear really well? Moles don't see. I can, I can think of all <laughs> the other things. Shall I Google it? What's an animal that's deaf? I feel like there's probably some. I'm going like, to Google animals with like problems. Animals with hearing problems. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: animals it. with dodgy ears. <laughs> I'm Googling. But while I'm doing that, what
1: would y'all do? This week for me has been all about mice. I've just launched yep. my little line of toys mm-hmm. called Dice Mice, which I took to Dragon Meat and everyone was obsessed with them. And then I've had like a surprising amount of people responding to them online which has been really nice It's, it's really it's really scary having something that you do having people like it I know it's not supposed to be scary and that's the idea but like I said the other week that I was gonna be I was an animal with like busy little hands yeah all week I've been making mice and I've been hunched over with busy little hands making mice and then forced myself to be social and like interact with other people on the weekend but Really, I just wanted to be hiding away in a little hole like making make and stuff. So, yeah. I'm a mouse. Aww, I'm always mouse. something rodenty. <laughs> Aww. Mouse or squirrel. I was a pissed off squirrel the other week, wasn't I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dolphins. Oh, no, they have good hearing. Where's the list of bad hearing? <laughs> uh, armadillos. Aww. They all have very poor hearing. I'm an armadillo this week. Oh. That was the best on so the list,
1: and I liked it immediately. Like, that's me. Speaking of armadillos, that is what I have thought that a certain character's armor looked like the entire way through the tv series and i shall say no more Mm. but think about (laughs) armadillos you'll know when you get there folks
0: (laughs) we've had a couple of people ask if we are going to set up a patreon Because you're all very lovely and you want to give us your hard-earned money. (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) And to be honest, it's not really something that we've thought about yet because we're still a little baby podcast. We've not been around. We've only been around since October. I'm still amazed that anybody
1: even listens. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) So I suppose we kind of wanted to maybe hand it over to you guys and see what you guys think, if you think it's a good idea. Uh, what kind of content would you want from us as well
1: yeah like what rewards would you like mm-hmm. I had an idea that maybe I don't know what level it would be but like I could draw you and your demon in like the style of our logo if that was a thing that people wanted yeah and uh, yeah
0: yeah maybe things like to give you like the high-res versions of the episode art that Rich draws as well and then maybe like your usual stuff that you get with other patron- patrons yeah like, like some mailbags yeah. and some bonus episodes q and a's and stuff yeah but yeah let us know what you think and if you think it's worth it and then we shall provide it'll probably yes. be we shall try yeah, <laughs> and we shall try and provide in the new year i would imagine yeah that's another thing to
1: mention actually so this book episode is our last book episode before christmas we're going to run the tv episodes right the way up to the last one so you've still got a relevant episode basically right around christmas because the last episode comes out on the 22nd but we thought we'd give ourselves a little breather a little break actually over the holiday period yeah. next
0: book episode after this one will be on the 13th of jan the last tv episode actually airs on tv i think it's the 20 20, 20 second yeah. um and where we're going to call that but obviously that is christmas week so we we won't put it up on that Friday because. We'll be at home with family and stuff, we won't have time to edit it, but we'll put it up the week after, so I think that's the I'll
1: be in the first week of January. I
0: yeah. Think. First yeah. week of January. Sorry, that was so messy. I should have actually looked like before <laughs> I started speaking, but hopefully. Preparation.
1: Get it. Well grown up podcast. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I suppose for this for the book episodes, because obviously there might be people that aren't watching the T V shows. So if you're not listening to our TV apps, the next book book episode you're getting is the thirteenth of January. Yes. So we hope you have a lovely Christmas. Yeah.
1: Mm. We're but sat in Faye's flat right now and we have got all the Chris- Christmas decorations up. We have. Because Faye is far more organised than I am.
0: I just love Christmas. I'm very, um, the most organised person in the world, so sometimes my own detriment, because then it makes me anxious if I've not done it. So, like, ever since Halloween finished, I was like, I want to put the Christmas decorations up now. <laughs> I don't like the period really? in between Halloween and Christmas where there's no decorations up. I'm like, I want to put them up now.
1: What about the period between Christmas and Halloween? Well, that's <laughs> different. <laughs> it's the hardest time of the year. Yeah.
0: Last chapter, Lyra met Mrs. Coulter and moved out of Jordan College to
1: live with her. The master gave Lyra the alethiometer and told her to keep it secret, even from Mrs. Coulter. In this chapter, Lyra spends a few
0: months living her best life in London with Mrs. Coulter. And not thinking about her BFF Roger, who is still missing.
1: Hashtag, where's Roger? Where is Roger? But things aren't as they seem, as we learn for sure that Mrs. Z is evil and her demon is indeed a little monkey brick. Absolutely. Lyra finds out Mrs. Coulter is head of the ablation
0: board, aka the Gobblers, and runs away. First thing that we learn is that Lyra is now basically going everywhere with Mrs. Coulter. And I think it
1: compares her to being her demon. Yeah, straight off the bat, I made a note about that because I was like, ooh. In the days that follow, Lyra went everywhere with Mrs. Coulter, almost as if she were a demon herself. Mm -hmm. And this is the first of many uh, little snippets throughout this chapter where Lyra is being referred to as being like a demon or like Uh, her pet uh, or like a doll. I don't like it.
0: no i don't like it i think lyra grows to dislike it as well i think at first when pan mentions it she's like oh fuck off and then she's like oh shit actually yeah mrs coulter she's always meeting people geographers politicians etc she's a she's a woman about the town
1: she spends loads of time shopping like what's mrs coulter's like oh i'm gonna buy you all these pretty dresses and stuff the stuff that makes lyra excited is shopping for knives and maps yeah and like Geography stuff, <laughs> like map breeding stuff, which I I like a lot. It says
0: that Lyra learns how to eat asparagus, and I was like, "Is there a way to eat asparagus? Have
1: I been eating asparagus <laughs> wrong this whole time? <laughs> Did, Did I not learn how to eat it?" Um... Is it rude okay. to eat it from one end up before the other? I, I assume you don't attempt to fit it in sideways. <laughs> like, well, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I quite liked the comparison. Lyra's been going to a lot of dinners with Mrs Coulter mm-hmm. and, like, afternoon teas where she meets ladies as well-dressed as Mrs Coulter, if not so beautiful and accomplished, that are, like, different to any other women that Lyra's met before. They're described as being graceful and delicate, and they're talking about a lot of stuff that Lyra doesn't ever really talk about, like, just gossip, basically, Mm. about, like, politics and gossip and stuff.
0: I put a note against that as well, and it's good that she's meeting new women, because we were talking last chapter about how (laughs) much she hated female scholars because of her, like, internalised... misogyny Um, misogyny. yeah um but I did think it it kind of rubbed me up the wrong way a little bit when like the I know it doesn't say the word but like the that they're gossiping that's fine people gossip but I do I do wonder like all the men we've met so far are having important conversations about important things and then this is the first group of women that we've heard about and they're gossiping I was just thinking is Philip Pullman being a little bit Patriarchal there, yeah. Mm,
1: I I don't know. It
0: didn't sit quite well with me.
1: It sounds more like it's just like high society talk. Everything Lara's heard people talking about before was has been about like concepts and theories and philosophy and all sorts of stuff. And these people are they're talking about people, artists, politicians, and lovers. So the lovers bit is probably gossipy. Mm -hmm. But having conversations about artists and politicians is, I think, fine and relatively highbrow. I don't know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I just want to It just kind of rubbed me up I know bit, what
1: you mean Doesn't he say something about it being dangerous? Yeah Women so unlike the female scholars or Egyptian boat mothers Or college servants As almost to be a new sex altogether One with dangerous powers and qualities Such as elegance, charm and grace Interesting Very Why is it dangerous? I think potentially It's pointing out the way that in order to gain power in society, women have to weaponise their sexuality. Mm. And it's a lot of the way in which Mrs. Coulter probably is able to gain her status is that she's able to like take advantage of those aspects of herself. Mm. And that's probably part of what Lara's recognising, is different ways in which women are using their power. And do you
0: think that, again, like tapping back into what she's probably learnt from the male scholars
1: as well, they might see that aspect of women being dangerous oh yeah you can definitely see a scholar being like oh watch out for that one she's dangerous and what i actually mean is she's self-possessed yeah and yeah
0: she a bad bitch. confidently yeah, yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> knows confidence. what she's doing <laughs> yeah so it seems like mrs Coulter. she knows like we said she knows all of the important people um, and she's also teaching lyra uh geography and maths and we learn that lyra's knowledge is very scatty i think i put a sticker next to this because I think in the first chapter we or the second chapter we were discussing like how the scholars had taught her and I think I said, "Do you think that they actually sat down and taught her, or do you mm. think that they like she just picked up stuff from them?" And actually, it's a bit of both. She it says Lyra's knowledge had great gaps in it, like a map of the world largely largely eaten by mice, which I really liked that. I wrote I wrote that down too. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Jordan, they had taught her in a piecemeal and disconnected way. A junior scholar would be detailed to catch her and instruct her in such and such. And the lessons would continue for a sullen week or so until she forgot to turn up to the scholars' relief. Yeah. I
1: like that. (laughs) She doesn't show up and they're like, oh, thank God.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then it just goes on to say, like, all the scholars, they'd forget what they were supposed to teach her. But then, so then start to teach her about what they were researching. So it does seem like, yeah, it was very, very scatty and kind of what we'd both said in that first chapter is happening, I think. So actually, there are times when they're. Sitting down to teach her, but then there are also times where she's picking up stuff, or they're just basically telling her whatever they want rather than sticking to a set schedule.
1: Yeah, I like the description of the way her being she's being taught as piecemeal as well. Because I feel like that was a way that the college was described in one of the first few chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, and like it's more of that thing of like the scrappiness of Jordan being reflected in Lyra, also in the way she's being taught. it's all a bit chaotic, chaotic but grand. So she's learning about these high concepts in like a really poorly structured way yeah <laughs> she knows a lot about experimental theology but
0: nothing about simple things like the solar system and she thinks that mrs Coulter's jerking oh my god it's that the planets <laughs> around
1: the sun. Oh. My, i guess like all children she assumes that everything revolves around her and therefore everything ro- revolves around the world yeah um which i guess is what we thought for quite a few centuries before we worked out what was going on with the solar system. Yeah. But like, I find it funny that Mrs. Cotter's like, this is a thing. And she's laughing in her <laughs> face like, you're lying. Uranus is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah.
0: it is. Um, it's a really good way of like displaying her her gap in knowledge because that's such a simple thing that everyone should know at that age. But then it makes me wonder, like, what else doesn't she know about the world? Like, if she doesn't know that, um, about uh, the solar system and the planets and they're moving around the sun, what else doesn't she know? Because it's such a fundamental part of being a human being and living on Earth. Early
1: education. Yeah, 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 yeah. I find the next bit of conversation really interesting. Uh, is Lyra trying to kind of show Mrs. Coulter that she does know some stuff. Because I imagine she felt pretty silly yeah. when she laughed at the solar system and then found out that it was real. And I can kind of imagine it as her trying to like scramble back a bit of respect from Mrs. Coulter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in a way that's like showing off. But um, they start to talk about particles and how electrons and things are charged. And Lyra starts talking about dust with a capital D. Yeah. It's back. Yeah um and how she knows that you can see it on a lens and it lights people up and um that it acts like a particle but not in the same way and this whole time she's talking the fur on the golden monkey's back is on end as yeah as if it were charged and then mrs coulter's like hold like holding the monkey like laying a hand on his back and like lyra's not super aware of it Mm. but pan is yeah um I think Pan yeah.
0: says that it looks like um the monkey could jump out at her at any minute and I suppose it's foreshadowing for later on in the chapter when that actually does happen. But he yeah. jumps at Pan and not
1: at Lyra. We get a little bit of Lyra, then I think she's kind of twigged that she shouldn't know this stuff or she knows that she shouldn't be dropping Azrael in it. Yes. So she then kind of tries to pass it off as having like heard about it in the corridor and like peeked over someone's shoulder to see these pictures, but it doesn't it doesn't quite um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think Coulter believes her. You know,
0: yeah, and it, it's uh, one of this happens like a few times in this in this chapter, but it's one of the few times that she's started to uh, lie again. Like she was lying in the a couple of chapters ago when she was telling Roger and all the other kids about Azrael, like fucking staring at people and killing them oh, with yeah. his eyes. Or <laughs> and it's another one of those where like you you know that she likes to tell stories and a lot of the time her stories like manifest in, in lies
1: yeah and then it's also a bit of her like thinking on her feet and she's telling yeah. the right lies she tells quite fantastical lies to other children but this is quite believable yeah she's overheard it from a scholar and just kind of thought it sounded interesting which is yeah. good and yeah this yeah pan i want to read this quote from pan actually mm-hmm. <laughs> later pan said You know when all the fur stood up on her demon while I was behind him? She grabbed his fur so tight her knuckles went white. You couldn't see. It was a long time till his fur went down. I thought he was going to leap at you. Her knuckles went white. That Mm. poor... It goes back to her being a bit abusive to him in the TV show, but, like... If you're gripping
0: something and your knuckles are white, whatever you're gripping... There's a
1: reason they call them white knuckle, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, that is a tight grip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I kind of want to be like, oh, poor little monkey demon, but he is a little monkey prick.
1: In the book, he's definitely a monkey prick. <sighs> we should make if you've some you've stickers not
0: watched the show, say, yeah.
1: little monkey prick. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Try and draw his little face.
0: So on that as well, Lyra asks Mrs. Coulter if the information that she's got about justice is correct, and Mrs. Coulter plays it cool and says that she doesn't know, and... We kind of have to think at that moment. Well, obviously, she probably does know. Hence um, why the monkey was reacting. Yeah. yeah. So, there's obviously there's, there's something going on here. We've heard about dust before. We don't know that much about it. It's coming back and we'll, I'm sure, piece by piece, figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. But at the minute, it seems like a very. Um, not like a sore subject, but some people. You kind of see that everybody that Lyra's interacted with, like the scholars, they see it in a different way, clearly, than Mrs Coulter does. And what I can, from when we meet Lord Boreal
1: later, he, you kind
0: of get that he's on the same vein yeah. as Mrs Coulter. At
1: the very least, she knows that it's a topic that immediately introduces tension into whatever room it's being spoken yeah. in, about About in. Yeah. That sentence went somewhere. <laughs> So whilst is learning some lessons in geography and physics and stuff, there's an interesting little paragraph about how she's learning some more subtle lessons mm-hmm. that Mrs Coulter isn't so much directly teaching her um, about these things, but she's very aware that Lyra's watching her and she's like imparting this knowledge in like more of a osmosis kind of way, like learning by copying, learning by... I really like yeah. that. I think it's sweet. I think it's it's the closest we've had so far to Coulter having a motherly moment. Yeah. And it's very specifically in there, talking about how Lyra's learning how to put on lipstick, powder and scent. To be sure, Mrs. Coulter didn't teach Lyra the latter arts directly, but she knew Lyra was watching when she made herself up. And she took care to let Lyra see where she kept the cosmetics and allow her the time on her own to explore them for herself. And I love the idea of Mrs. Coulter being like, put the lipstick <laughs> and like she's a her draw very slowly, <laughs> yeah, you can see her like walking into the room, and Lyra's just got lipstick all over their face, oh. and she's like, "Did I do it right <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like that that's I remember sneaking into my grandma's bedroom and she had her like powder on her little dresser, yeah. and I remember the smell so perfectly of that like specific mm. like pressed powder that she used, but i would me and my cousins would definitely play with that and play with the lipstick and stuff because she had like a proper old-fashioned like dresser
0: yeah I don't know it kind of struck me as well because I really liked it I think because my I don't remember my mum ever teaching me like how to wash my hair or like how to put on makeup or whatever but you kind of do obtain that knowledge from them yeah like I used to sit and watch my mum like do her hair in the morning and stuff like that and I don't know if 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 it was obviously with Mrs Coulter. It, it's she's doing it on purpose, and I I wonder. I was like, oh, I wonder if my mum did that on purpose. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, I remember like having my hair washed by my mum when I was younger, and just kind of watching what she did, and but I don't remember ever saying her ever saying, oh, this is this is what you do. Yeah, honestly. but then also
1: you've got an older sister as well, haven't you? So I yes. think you learn a lot of the makeup stuff and things like. If you've got an older, like I learnt from my older sister. A lot of that stuff probably more from her than my mum just because by default of being the little sister yeah but I can imagine my mum doing things like like maybe leaving out the mascara just in case so I wanted to try it out or is that when I was too young to even be thinking about it yeah kind of thing
0: I remember my sister taught me how to straighten my hair back in the noughties when straightened hair was the thing oh gosh
1: like, Was it, like, that classic really bad straightened hair where yeah. you, when you had loads of layers chopped into your hair? Yeah. And you could see them all <laughs> perfect?
0: Because I mean, my, ha- my hair's got a natural wave to it anyway. I'd straighten it and then go out and immediately, like, the ends would just, like, curl. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay. And I never used to do the back properly. and My sister used to shout at me for that. She'd be like, why are you straightening the back of your hair? I'm like, I can't see the back of my hair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do it for me. <laughs> Wow, that was a little tangent. (laughs) Super. Everybody loves a tangent. The next bit is basically time is passing. Lyra's been there for, basically, been with Coulter in London for months now. And she's kind Lyra's kind of occasionally thinks of her life at Jordan, but Mm. not very often. And then every so often she thinks of Roger. Yeah. Oh, Roger. And it makes her feel uneasy. But then there was an opera to go to or a new dress to wear, so she forgets.
0: I'm very shocked how little she gives a shit about Roger. It's been months. Oh, Roger. I know. And it's kind of scary, because we have no idea what's happening to Roger. Like, he has been kidnapped.
1: Yeah. And she just kind of, only in passing when she's thinking about home, is like, oh yeah, and there was that guy Roger that I used to know that was my best friend in the whole Particular world. Particular friend. And went mysteriously missing. Huh.
0: <sighs> yeah. It. Yeah. I, when I when I got to her, I was like, Jesus,
1: Lyra. Come on. Come on. I mean, I know she's only a child. We can't put too much on her, but mm-hmm. also... I'd be pestering more, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I don't even know, like trying to post letters home to him or something and being like, oh, I want to write a letter to my best mate, Roger. I want to find out if he's come home. Yeah. Like, you'd think maybe she'd be waiting on a letter from Jordan College to let her know that he was fine or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah,
0: no. no, she's not bothered. Yep. Kind of outside, out of mind kind of thing, isn't it? Again, if you're a kid, that might yeah. be more likely to happen than if you're an adult. Oh, budget! I know. (laughs) Bless him. I I was gonna say as well. uh, Before that, when we're still in Mrs. Coulter's um, little paragraph about her like teaching Lyra stuff, it says that she teaches her how to say no so that no offence is given. I'd bloody love to learn how to do that. I'm so bad at saying (laughs) no to things. If I say I can't just ever say no. I can't just ever be like no, thank you. I have to be like oh no, thank you. And this is the reason why. Like I've never learned Mm -hmm. to just be like no. Because I'm always scared I'm going to offend someone, so maybe Mrs. Coulter can come and teach me how to do that. Sort of.
1: True. Because, yeah, you often end up offending someone more by listing off the 10 reasons why you don't want to do their thing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, you could have just said no.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if someone does it to me, I don't even fucking think twice about it. But when it's me doing it to somebody else, I'm like, wow. I'll think about it for like twenty minutes before I'm like, okay, I'm gonna say no. Here's what I'm gonna say. Here's all the reasons. I'm like, why am I why, why am I like
1: this? <laughs> why we'll, is my little we'll go to like Mrs. Coulter's finishing school to learn how to wash our hair, do our makeup and say no. <laughs> that would be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lyra, she's not she don't give a shit about Roger, poor Roger.
1: Mrs. Coulter announces after she, they've been there a, a month and a bit, that she's gonna throw a cocktail party. Mm-hmm. And Lyra gets the impression that she's celebrating something, but she doesn't know what it is. Yeah. And she, by the fact that she's not asked and she doesn't know, do we get the impression that it's about something secret?
0: Well, what do you think it's about? Because when I got to this bit and then finished the chapter and then went back and, and read it again, I don't know what there is to celebrate, really. Apart from all the stuff that they're doing like with the Oblation board, but it doesn't seem like there's
1: been any kind of... Um I wonder if she's had, like, there. a grant approved or something.
0: Yeah, somewhat boring.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but, like, you know, it's a grant to do something nefarious, so it's not mega boring, but, like, she's gonna need some funds, right? I don't know. Yeah. Or it could just be, like, a society party that you have to throw up a few months and Lyra gets the impression it's to celebrate something, but she doesn't know what, because mm. she doesn't understand how grown-up parties work. Yeah, because, like, maybe she's only ever seen a birthday party before.
0: Yeah, she won't have seen really anything like this yeah uh mrs coulter she mentions a bunch of names to put on the invite list and one is lord boreal and the archbishop who's apparently a bit of a dick
1: yeah (laughs) just gonna invite him anyway (laughs) a hateful old snob apparently (laughs) she makes a comment that i find quite interesting she said you're talking about who to invite and says do you think it would be right to invite eric anderson i wonder if it's about time to take him up He's apparently a fashionable dancer, and Lyra doesn't know what take him up meant. I don't necessarily... Are they fucking? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Is she saying, is it about time to take him up as a lover, or like, take him up into society and bring him into the in crowd? I feel like it's the former. I think they're fucking. Okay. Or they want to. <laughs> yeah. She's like, do I bring him to bed? Why is she asking Lyra about that? That is true. In a But then Lyra doesn't know what it means, so... I don't know.
0: But I wonder, I kind of viewed this as if she was like kind of talking to herself, reading the invite names to Lyra, Lyra's writing them down, and she's just like, oh, should I invite him? Like, do you know, like you would sometimes like talk to yourself in that way? Yeah. I saw it more like that. Um, but also, I just like to think that people are fucking, so I'm just going to go, just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then um, Lyra and Pan, they go to bed. Han's getting frustrated he i think this might yeah this is a bit where he asked when they're gonna run away and then i was like my suspicions were correct in the last chapter when i said when i thought that pan was being a bit um what's the word
1: wary yeah 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 he's definitely like she's never taken us an oath what are we doing here why do you still like her yeah like i wonder if he might be a little bit jealous Yeah, maybe. Because, like, Lyra's so upset. She's acting like Mrs. Coulter's demon. She's following her around everywhere. Mm -hmm. And Pan's a bit like, hey, I'm supposed to be your best mate. You're literally part of my soul. Like, why are you spending more time with her than with me? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of thing. I don't know if that's maybe part of it. And maybe why Lyra initially kind of dismisses it. Because she's like, you're just jealous. Mm. Especially because the monkey's a little prick. So (laughs) Pan's not got a friend to play with. (laughs) True. It made me think as well. Again, I, I bring up the connection...
0: Between like people and their demons a lot because I still think that I don't fully grasp everything about it. So I was thinking Lyra at the minute anyway likes Mrs Coulter but Pan doesn't. So it's interesting that you and your demon can have differing opinions on things. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, is it just that on the surface level that they, they have different opinions and that they're two different beings? Or is it that Deep down somewhere, Lyra also thinks that, but Pan's just bringing it to the surface.
1: I quite like to think of it as a way of, like, she's clearly, deep down, yeah, got this conflict. Mm-hmm. And by having a demon, it's literally a way of, like, you know, if you're not sure about something, you kind of talk it through in your head. Yeah. but She doesn't have to do it in her head. Pan's yeah. right there to kind of voice those opinions. Yeah, if it's that, you're right. Like, deep down, she knows it. But also, the part of her that knows it is in Pan. Um, I... Found it really interesting. There's a little bit where Lyra's kind of going, she's dismissed Pan as being silly. Pan's accused her of being too sweet and too pretty and saying that Mrs. Coulter's making a pet out of her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Lyra's kind of playing around and wondering basically about what it would be like when they do go north. The one thing that kept her polite and attentive to Mrs. Coulter was that amazing tantalising hope of going north. Perhaps they would meet Lord Asriel. Perhaps he and Mrs. Coulter would fall in love and they would get married in a dark lyra and go to rescue Roger from the gobblers. Oh, cute. Mmm. <laughs> cute, but also my eyebrows have raised so high off the top of my head. They've receded into my hairline <laughs> and slammed down my back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Um, an interesting comment from Larry. It's so childish as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Perhaps my favourite woman will meet my favourite man and then they'll get married. And then they'll be my mummy and my daddy. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> <You're> i <right."> so <defensive. laughs> not happy about that. At all. I don't know. It's just a very childish thing. It? Yeah, yeah. it is. It's also because I know that it's Lyra being incredibly naive and Pan's, Pan's sussed it mm-hmm. and she's ignoring him and she's like, oh, but what if she marries my uncle? And it's yeah. like, no.
0: Do you think at this point as well that, like, so you mentioned she's staying like polite with Mrs. Coulter because she wants to go to the north? Do you think that Mrs. Coulter is deliberately using her and keeps dangling that over her? Not so that she stays, because I don't think that um, she ever thought that Lyra would run away, but so she keeps
1: her happy. To keep her placating. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think Mrs. Coulter's a good enough manipulator Mm. that she knows that that is the button to press with Lyra. Yeah. Maybe she's not planning on using those sleeping bags and knives that they went shopping for Yeah. Um. earlier in the chapter, but she's like, if we go shopping for them, then that'll keep Lyra like excited slash well-behaved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then Lyra goes to the
0: hairdressers. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time we've had a little bit of a physical description of Lyra. It says that she's got dark blonde hair and Ooh. it's stiff. And I don't know if we've had any description of it yet at all.
1: No. We've had descriptions of the fact that her knees are dirty and her clothes are second hand. Yeah.
0: yeah. But not her actual like features. No. Like physical attributes. Do we know that
1: she's quite skinny? I feel like it's been mentioned that she's skinny. because like Maybe. I don't know.
0: But in terms of like hair colour, eye colour. Yeah. That kind of thing. Which is interesting because we obviously in her hair gate with Mrs. Coulter. Yeah. She's got... Fair slash dark hair, depending on what book you're reading.
1: It's also interesting for a book to have the protagonist be female and for them to have not described her in the first page. Yeah. Because usually, like, if you, yeah, if your main character is a woman, what is generally any main character. Actually, they tend to be like so and so was a tall, thin, blah 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 blah, and they thought this, this, and this, and that's like how a book goes. Yeah, sorry, Are you thinking true. about <laughs> Harry Potter and how it literally <laughs> describes him on the first fucking yeah, page? I Drink. Was. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. And it's like yeah, Harry was a skinny boy with messy hair who, who that would never stay straight, and yeah, yeah.
0: I think it says he has a, like a shock of black hair or something, which I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she describes it really quickly. Um, actually, J.K. Rowling is very keen on that. She always does that. If you ever meet a character in Harry Potter, you will immediately get a description of them. And Philip Pullman's not like that.
1: No. Yeah, I don't even know what Asriel looks like, really. Other than he tends... Pullman seems to, so far, have described people more by what they do and how they act yeah. than by what they look like. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that's just a sign that these books are for a slightly older audience than Harry Potter.
0: Because
1: mm. I think it is quite a, a younger um, level of reader that kind of needs and wants that description in the first yeah. thing so that they can have the movie playing out in their head.
0: I don't mind either way of doing it. I quite like this way of doing it as in Philip Pullman's way of not describing their physical attributes because then it allows your, you to paint the picture yourself. Yeah. And I like that. So if you were a little girl, you might imagine that you were Lyra. Or as an adult, me reading it, you can kind of paint it yourself and you might change your mind halfway through and that's fine. You're not reminded that, oh, actually, he's got black hair. You might be thinking that he's got red hair. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's nice to do to do that, I think, to have that
1: Also, I don't have ever had a book cover with an illustration of Lyra on it where you can see much of what she looks like. Do
0: you know it's interesting you said that because is it it might be the front of the box set that I've got that's got a picture of Lara on it. Oh. Or it might be when I was looking for the books to buy, there was a version that did have a drawing of her on it and I didn't pick that one, it just wasn't as pretty as the one that I ended up mm-hmm. buying. So yeah, I do I don't mind it, it's just interesting. We got a bit of a description of Miss Coulter, um, but nothing else really about the
1: actual people. Yeah. Part of being old, young, whatever. Yeah, I think also he's got this excellent writing device of everybody having demons. So you get a really interesting description of the person just by what animal is yeah. their lifelong companion. Yeah. So like if someone's described as having, like, a rat, you might then kind of have that automatic thing where you then picture the character that person as having maybe some slightly, like, rat-like features. Yeah. Or, like, if someone's demon is a serpent, you kind of start to get that impression of them being a bit, like, slime, not slimy. I know snakes aren't slimy, they're actually lovely and very warm. I don't know, maybe it's an interesting, like, narrative device to have that mm. as a helpful addition to whatever descriptors you have chosen to use. Yeah.
0: And also, maybe Philip Pullman was just like, look, I've just described this demon, can't be asked to describe the person as well.
1: True. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the books would be like
1: twice as long, because yeah. he does introduce a lot of characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, back, back to the book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lyra keeps the in a little shoulder bag, so it's safe, which is so cute. Mm-hmm. She's got a little shoulder bag. And
1: Mrs. Coulter tells her to take it off. Oh, and this is where it, it gets... Yeah. It's like the day of the party. Yeah. Lyra's been all dressed up, just had her hair did. Yeah. And then, yeah, she's wearing a nice party dress and then throws on this scrappy bag she's been carrying yeah. around for a month. And
0: then Mrs. Colter, she still says no. Um, Lyra's stubborn. Uh, it
1: sounds like it's one of the first disagreements they've ever had.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And then Pan becomes a polecat and like, arches oh, back. And then I... He's super keen to get on it he like senses a hint of an argument starting to happen and immediately like it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then she didn't finish
0: the sentence because mrs coulter's demon sprang off the sofa in a blur of golden fur and pinned pantalaman to the carpet before he could move lyra cried out in alarm and then in fear and pain as pantalaman twisted this way and that shrieking and snarling unable to loosen the golden monkey's grip only a few seconds and the monkey had overmastered him. With one fierce black paw around his throat and his back paws gripping the polecat's lower limbs, he took one of Pantalemon's ears in his other paw and pulled as if he intended to tear it off. Not angrily either, but with a cold, curious force. that was horrifying to see and even worse to
1: feel. I oh, fucking got that little monkey prick. Little monkey prick. Oh yeah. I obviously hate it because I hate to see Pan in pain. Mm-hmm. I love little Pan. But like, that description is so perfectly, like, on the mark for, like, Mrs. Coulter and, like, why you can't trust her and, Mm -hmm. like, this viciousness that is, like, literally in her soul. Yeah. Like... The fact
0: that... I think the scariest thing about that is the last bit where it says how cold he is when Mm -hmm. he's pulling Pan's ear and how he's not even doing it in an angry way. He's doing it in this, like, really like calm... Psychopath. Yeah. Absolutely. 100% like psychopath sociopath. And this is... Yeah. We learn as well here for the first time that someone hurting your demon hurts you as well. Because yeah. Lyra's crying out in pain and she says, "Why are you, stop hurting us or why are you hurting us?
1: Mrs. Coulter seems to just... She's not really raising her voice or anything. She's just like, okay, do as I tell you then. And then, like, it's, this, it's, it's very abusive. It's yeah. a perfect kind of description of, like, somebody has been abusive to you and then they're really, really nice to you. So... The monkey steps away from Pan as if he's suddenly bored and Pan, like, runs to Lyra. They, like, run into their room and slam the door behind them and then Mrs Coulter kind of, I don't know, it's really odd. She's like, Lyra, if you behave in this coarse and vulgar way, we shall have a confrontation which I will win. Take off that bag this instant, control that unpleasant frown, never slam the door again in my hearing. Or out of it. Now the first guest will be arriving in a few minutes and they're going to find you perfectly behaved, sweet, charming, innocent, attentive, delightful in every way. I particularly wish for that, Lyra. Do you understand me? And then... Then kiss me. She bends a little and offers her cheek and Lyra has to stand on tiptoe to kiss it. She noticed how smooth it was and the slight perplexing smell of Mrs. Coulter's flesh, scented but somehow metallic. I just... I hate it. I hate it. She's like... I've smacked you. I'm now going to tell you why it's all your fault and how you can avoid me having to smack you again. Mm. Like, I know she's not physically smacked, it, but, like, my no, a is yeah, attached to your yeah. demon. Yeah. And then, now give me a kiss and I we'll make it all it better. better. Yeah. And then the next thing she does is just completely act like nothing's happened. Mm. And basically, like, it's That's... really horrible. <laughs> the fucking kiss is the worst thing about that yeah. for me. Oh,
0: I hate things like that. Like, anything... Forced affection. Yes. Uh, any time ever when somebody's forced to do something they don't want to do and I always bring up this example but you know in Aladdin when it's right at the
1: <laughs> don't laugh I'm not <laughs> laughing I just I've definitely heard you use this analogy before for like why you hate it so much in and Aladdin, I love right? that everything links back to Disney or Harry Potter <laughs> yeah
0: and there's a moment in Harry Potter as well but in Aladdin at, towards the end when Jafar is like the big fucking genie and he makes Aladdin bow to him and he forces him to do it. And I fucking hate it so much. And I fucking hate it. I hate it whenever something like that happens. And that is like that. Not as that ex- not to that extreme, but it's still very much like that. And I fucking hate it. And I don't know why. It's just fucking horrible. It's just really, like, Icky. demeaning. Yeah. And I hate that. Oh, I hate it. God it. Mm. Um... <laughs>
1: But (laughs) she raging. But
0: yeah, yeah. It says that like she smells metallic, and we get that again later on
1: when she's pissed off.
0: And I'm like, again, I'm like, what is this? Is she magic?
1: Mm, I have a theory about the metallic smell, but I don't know if I can present my theory until like later in the books when we know some more stuff. Okay, I'll make a note of it. Yeah,
0: do. Mm -hmm. It occurred to me as well in this whole section that, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, and. People that are listening, I'm sorry if we have, but I'm on a lot of painkillers. Why? Yeah, I can't remember things. Oh. Um. We don't know the monkey's name. We don't. And it hasn't been said.
1: And it doesn't talk. I believe. I believe this isn't a spoiler. We can cut it out if we <laughs> Um. I did a Google. The monkey gets a name, but only for the audio books. Mm. Um. And maybe in the movie, they've named him, but he's not officially named in any of the books. Um, I think the only reason they named him for the audiobooks was to make it, or like the radio drama, was so that they could like have a clearer idea of who, who was talking or who people were talking to, because yeah, obviously yeah. you don't have any of those extra descriptions.
0: Yeah, I suppose you can't just be shouting demon at him. Do you know what I mean? yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's mm. obviously deliberate. Adds to his like mystique and evilness. And creepiness. creepiness. Mm. Think about how much it would take away from it if, he, if he was shouting it was at like fans. brian yeah <laughs> and like if he was like shouting as well or like yeah. i don't know had some kind of like sassy clap back yeah
1: the fact that so far we've never heard him speak yeah i mean we still so
0: far he doesn't speak like yeah. he might who knows he might do but it seems like if we're this far in and he hasn't spoken yet that makes me think that it he's adds not going to him to. being
1: like mysterious and unreadable
0: and yeah. then Horrible and creepy. But then what that says a lot about Mrs. Coulter as well, doesn't it? Because if it's supposed to be like, if it's her demon, mm. part of her, that's got to have some kind of, what's the word, reflection on her as well.
1: Yeah. Silent and full of rage and hate and spite. Mm. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> so Lyra, she
0: leaves her bag in the bedroom after that horrible fucking kiss with Mrs. Mm-hmm. Coulter um and then like you said miss collar starts talking to her as if nothing's happened Ew.
1: really patronisingly yeah. as well like
0: oof. and then lyra she finds it easy to go on as normal but pan is the one that's disgusted which sounds about right for them
1: too mm-hmm. i suppose uh the party starts i there's a little bit oh yeah um so she's she's yeah sorry the party has started. she's wandering around and she um she felt like a universal pet and the second she voiced that thought to herself, Pan stretched his goldfinch wings and chirruped loudly. Yeah. And I love that. Totally like, so. Yeah, like a proper big <laughs> I told you so. And she's like, she senses his glee at having proved her right. And um, like I love that she doesn't even have to say anything. She just realises it in her head. And Pan's yeah. like, ha Yeah. <laughs> and like his little bird self, just like a little, like, fuck you! Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. I like it.
0: Yeah, it's great, and it's annoying as well, though, isn't it? Can you imagine if you like have like a fight with your demon, and then you realise that you were wrong, but then you don't even have to say it, and your demon's like already yeah. knows it, and you're just like, "Fuck that!" Yeah, <laughs> I hate being wrong. Yeah, really? uh, I'm the same. I used to. I've gotten better with it as I've gotten older, but I used to um, just never admit that I was wrong, even if I still do that. Even, yeah, even if I knew it, I'd just be like, "No, I'm not, I'm not wrong." <laughs> Um, so Lyra gets talking to an old lady who thinks that Mrs. Colt has her mum. When mm. mm. we learn more here about Lyra's mum and dad, because I don't think that they've really even been mentioned yet, have they? No, all we know is that she's been looked after by the college. Yeah. So far. So yeah. they are a count and countess, and they died in an aeronautical accident in the north. And obviously we know that... Lord Azrael is Lyra's uncle, but we find out here that her dad is Azrael's brother. Mm-hmm. So, and Count Balakwa, which I used to pronounce, Beliki, and then I saw the TV show and they pronounced it Bal- Balakwa.
1: Oh. Yeah, I've always said Balakwa. Yeah, I just can't read. Also, it's like, if you read it too fast and weren't concentrating it, it does kind of read a little bit like, Count, Bla- Count Dracula. <laughs> My dad is Count <laughs> Yeah, Drac- I suppose. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> oh. yeah. So, I mean... That means, I assume, that that's Lyra's last name. Yes. Yeah. Which is the first time we've heard that as well. Oh, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, The old lady, she frowns curiously and her demon is shifty. And that's the second time that this has happened, at the mention of Lord Asriel and Mrs. Coulter. So it was in the last chapter, I think, when the lady scholars, uh, their demons shifted a bit weirdly when Mrs. Coulter mentioned Asriel. Mm-hmm. Um so there's something going on here that that we don't know
1: about yet. And I wonder what it is. Yeah. It's also just generally Asriel is in general a controversial figure. Yeah. And I think that makes a big impact as well, just like every time you mention his name, people are like, mm, political writer. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> kind That's of mm mm-hmm.
0: So then Lyra leaves that conversation with the older woman, um, and she hears someone talking about dust, so mm-hmm. she goes to inspect that.
1: I enjoy this image of her kind of like going around the party, being pretty and well behaved, but then also being really snoopy, being a proper little eavesdropper. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. That is um,
0: a great position to to be in if if you're I employed, and I'm using air quotes here because I assume that Missus Coulter is definitely not paying Lyra. But why would you not? You're walking around this party like serving people and stuff. Hell yeah! Get your fucking spy on. I, lo- I I'm so nosy. I love to listen to people's conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I like to say that I'm curious rather than nosy because it just sounds a bit better. <laughs> In- inquisitive. I'm very inquisitive. I'm so inquisitive. <laughs> so yeah, she kind of starts eavesdropping on them. It's a group of men and a woman,
1: and Lyra recognizes it as as flirting. Yeah, again, is part of that kind of, like, she's reached the age where she can recognise what flirting is.
0: Yeah, but she must have only seen that very recently because I doubt she's going to have seen any it's flirting for, with yeah. the scholars. I mean, unless... Uh,
1: she's probably witnessed Colter flirting with countless people. Yeah.
0: That made me think, actually, because I was just thinking she's probably not seen any flirting with the scholars because they all hate the female scholars. But I was like, do you think there are any gay scholars in that college?
1: Yes, the master and the librarian. Oh well, yeah. Oh my God, sorry. <laughs> my head not, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> oh my God, I can't. Yeah. How could I forget? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, but then also, if there are the way the, like, magisterium seems to be the like, way that this world mm. seems to be, I, I can't imagine people would be openly gay. It yeah. seems like quite a closeted society kind of vibe so yeah. far.
0: They wouldn't be you know, open. Open enough. I Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, no, I get that vibe as well. They wouldn't be open enough to for Lyra to decipher that they were flirting anyway, mm. I think.
1: Oh my God, okay. My notes here, <laughs> right next to my notes I've just got, from here on out, bombs are dropped all over the shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they truly are.
1: Get ready so many bombs bombs to drop and for Lyra to just run around kind of picking them all up. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The men are scholars. Lyra thinks that the woman is student, but she is actually a journalist. Mm -hmm. And basically, I wrote that the men are mansplaining dust to this woman. And And because she's a journalist, she's like, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And she's clearly (laughs) trained to get the information that she needs out of them. And part of her training is probably to be like, oh, well, please tell me more. I'm so interested.
1: Like, I know so very little. Yeah, yeah. And if a big man could just tell me how these particles work. <laughs> with this with strong take, brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I think I put a sticker in my little book because they describe dust, and I just think it's important that we should all know every description of dust. Mm-hmm. He says, It was discovered by a Muscovite. And he says, Stop me if you know this already. Love.
1: he assumes um, she doesn't know this already <laughs> Yeah,
0: and a man called Rusakov, and they're usually called Rusakov particles after him elementary particles that don't interact in any way with others they're very hard to detect but the extraordinary thing is that they seem to be attracted to human beings and she says really? and then he says and even more extraordinary some human beings more than others adults attract them but not children at least not much and not until adolescence In fact, that's the very reason, and then his voice dropped, that's the very reason that the ablation board was set up, as our good Hearst SEO could tell you. And then we go into, what the fuck is the ablation board? We've heard it before. We heard the librarian and the master talking about it in the first or second chapter when we got all that information about everything ever, and we
1: were just like... All the different... Yeah, categories of things that live under the magisterium. Yeah. It's part of the consistorial court of discipline. hmm That's all I've got. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, same. And well we know that they were really scared of
0: it as well. Yes. Um, and I think I actually went back and looked, and yeah, the master said he was scared of it in the second chapter. And he said that it was being run by someone who has no love of Lord Asriel. of Lord Asriel. Mm. And then we learned here that it's been run by Mrs. Coulter. Ooh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we learn as well that uh, the man like brings Lyra into the conversation and they start
1: talking about it and stuff
0: and we learn that um,
1: in a really patronising way he's oh, like yeah. this little lady knows all about it I'll be bound you're safe from the ablation board aren't you my dear fuck <laughs> off <laughs> so patronising Yeah. <laughs> and then Lyra
0: tells a little uh, little story that's got loads of lies in it again oh, God, she's lady. really mean about like the Egyptians and stuff though Mm-hmm. Uh, she says uh, where I used to live in Oxford there was all kinds of dangerous things there was Egyptians they take kids and sell them to the Turks for slaves and on Port Meadow at the full moon there's a werewolf which I enjoyed
1: <laughs> tall tales I tall tales yeah I don't know there could be werewolves there's witches in-, in this world oh there absolutely could be yeah that's very true mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be great
0: um, and then we learn that the um, oblation the ablation bard are the gobblers
1: Yeah, she's like, oh, and then there's the gobblers. And the man's like, that's what I mean. That's what they call the ablation board. Yeah. And we uh, learn why. Lyra feels Pan tremble and the grown-ups don't seem to notice and kind of keep talking about gobblers and stuff. But, like, Lyra and Pan have just put two and two together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And made, like, 15 million. It's, yeah. Yeah. Bombs dropping. Yeah. So,
0: uh, and we learn that the ablation board uh, calls it gobblers. Because it's the general ablation board. Yeah. The gob. such a strange word. Um. So yeah, well, we know we now. So Pan and Lyra now know that Mrs. Coulter is basically the head gobbler.
1: Yeah, grand high gobbler, by the grand high witch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. They give. Uh. I know we're reading quite a
0: bit from the book in this chapter, but it's important. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we can't paraphrase. The yeah. book says it better. So, mm. the, yeah, that scholar, he talks about the oblation board, which I think is quite important, mm. um, and he said it's a very old idea. <clears throat> In the Middle Ages, parents would give their children to the church to be monks or nuns, and the unfortunate brats were known as oblates. It means a sacrifice, an offering, something of that sort. So the same idea was taken up when they were looking into the dust business. As our little friend probably knows, why don't you go and talk to Lord Boreal? He adds to Lyra, and then he tries to get... Her to go away are we to assume then that the children that they're taking have to make some kind of sacrifice when they're taken by the goblins?
1: yeah having something take its name from children being sent somewhere ha- having its name taken from something to do with children being sent somewhere as a sacrifice yeah is a very scary concept mm-hmm. and that being where we think roger's been taken to where we think billy costa's been taken to it kind of ups the ante. I mean, I know she thought before the goblins might have been eating kids. Yeah. But, like, this is just another vague but threatening sounding thing that appears to be.
0: And I think as well, awesome. saying, saying that, ch- like, a child or children
1: have to make a sacrifice. I don't even know if it's have to make a sacrifice or if they are the sacrifice. Like, yeah. It makes me think of, like, a sacrificial lamb.
0: Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. But also that it could be that they have to make. Yeah. Either way, it's fucking grim. Yeah. Too, too young for that stuff, children. Yeah. The guy's trying to make shoe lyra away so he yeah. can carry on flirting, and the journalist is like, you're boring now, dude. I'm going to talk to this little girl that is the only child in the room at this party full of gobblers. Yeah. Like... I feel like this is my scoop, so you can back off, mate. Yeah, I'm done with, I'm done with you <laughs> now. I've arranged you for the information I need. Yeah. She um, says her name is Adele Star Minister. What a great name. It's a very good name. I, I like, like it. I like that name a lot. not sounds like a name from Harry Potter. Oh my God, drink. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has a butterfly demon, which is interesting. She's not... I think she's described as pretty, but the moment you find out her demon is a butterfly you get this impression of her being pretty and dainty Mm -hmm. to match her demon. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me or if that's kind of what we were talking about earlier with, like, the demon helping to describe the person. Yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. So a demon looks around for a safe space for them to talk uh, and then they sit down... Which I thought must be quite handy having a demon like that that wouldn't be so obvious looking for somewhere
1: for you to sit. could just kind of Oh, like... you mean like how Rita Skeeter turns into a beetle? <laughs> like we mentioned in another episode, Harry Potter drink. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, yeah, I do. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she uh, So uh, Adele starts to question Lyra about Mrs. Coulter.
1: She again mistakes Lyra for being Coulter's daughter. Yeah. This is the second time it's happened to Lyra yeah. in less than an hour.
0: I mean, which is fair really if you think about it. Mrs. Coulter lives in this flat with this child, if people didn't know her before, you would just probably assume that it's her kid.
1: True. Yeah. True. Yeah. So Lyra's proper like indignant that she's not. Which yeah. I feel like she wouldn't have been a couple of hours ago. Well yeah,
0: I, I put that we can see that Lyra's opinion of her is changing because of how she reacts to being called her kid again.
1: Yeah. Also, I forgot to say, there's a great bit when when the journalist wants to talk to her Lyra thinks it's only natural that people should wish to talk with her. Why not? I love how self-centered <laughs> she is. Classic Lyra, that's our girl. Yes, yes it is.
0: So they're chatting mm-hmm. about Mrs Coulter and then Mrs Coulter shows up and she is not happy at all. She finds out that this woman's a journalist and she says that she'll make sure she never works as a journalist again. And that's so mean. Mm. Really mean. Like, to ruin someone's career. This might be what you were talking about earlier. There's another description. Do you
1: you want to? Um, Mrs. Coulter seemed to be charged with some kind of ambaric force. She even smelled different. A hot smell, like heated metal, came off her body. Lyra had felt something of it earlier, but now she was seeing it directed at someone else, and poor Adele Starminister had no force to resist. Her demon fell limp on her shoulder and flapped his gorgeous wings once or twice before fainting. The woman herself seemed to be unable to stand fully upright. Moving in a slight awkward crouch, she made her way through the press of loudly talking guests and out of the drawing room door. I hate the description of it being a hot metallic smell. I hate it. It, It's so strange. It's such a strange description. Yeah. Mrs. Coulter kind of quizzes Lyra on where she's been, uh, on who she was talking to, and uh, as she says that she notices that Mrs. Colt is alone and without her demon. Mm. How could that be? Yeah. But a moment later, the golden monkey appeared at her side.
0: Also, just to pop pop back to poor Adele, her demon faints, Mm -hmm. she doesn't. I'm the queen of doing this, by the way. Mm. Something happens with a demon, but it doesn't happen to the human being. But yeah, that is
1: But then she can't
0: walk. Yeah, she that obviously yeah. there is she's is not just like
1: fine. That's I wonder if her demon was there. a bigger animal if it wouldn't have fainted.
0: Yeah, like do they have the same temperament that like a that type of animal would have?
1: Yeah. Um mm. like if it was a moose, would it have been fine? Yeah. Because like Mrs. Coulter probably couldn't stare down a moose in quite the same way she can, can stare you down you but a butterfly. I can imagine having a moose <laughs> so good. It's so good. God, it's massive. <laughs> I don't know why moves came to my mind, but yeah <laughs> But yeah, the um link between Lyra suddenly realising the monkey wasn't with Mrs. Coulter yeah. and the hot metallic smell, I feel like they're linked. And I feel like we might end up coming back to that. Okay. But yeah, is this hot metallic smell from Mrs. Coulter's rage? Or is it from the fact that she's not with her demon?
0: Hmm maybe. But was she with her demon when she had that metallic spell earlier on?
1: Yeah, because it was just when the demon had attacked Pan. Mm -hmm. We can come back to that. Mm.
0: So yeah, then Pan says that he saw the little monkey prick in their bedroom and that he thinks that he knows about the elysiometer. And then there's a professor as well. I think it was the guy that uh, was talking to the woman that was doing Mm -hmm. the mansplaining. The guy that was trying to chat her up. And he's removed from the party too. And then Lyra starts to feel anxious and exposed and, like, wanders around the party. And then Lord Boreal asks to speak to her, who is a new character that we haven't met yet. And he has a serpent demon. Mm. I I think I'd like a little snake demon.
1: So, this is the link that I wanted to make when we're talking about the idea of North. And Lord Asriel has the picture of the guy and the child. Mm -hmm. And the um, scholars assume that the child is the man's demon, and Azra says, no, that man's demon is a serpent, and it's around his neck at the time the photo is taken. Mm -hmm. I've never ever thought of it before reading on this read-through. Could the man with the serpent demon in the photo be Boreal? Is it rare to have a serpent demon, or does it just happen to be that the guy in the picture's demon was a snake? And if so, why would Pullman have made those demons both snakes?
0: Yeah, that's true. Maybe. But also, I suppose maybe that's one to come back to later on, because we still, we don't really know what Boreal's got to do with any of this kind
1: of stuff no. yet. I just find it interesting that we've had a serpent demon mentioned in the first chapter, and yeah. now we've met someone with a serpent demon. Like, how demon. common...
0: Yeah, I suppose that's an interesting question as well, isn't it? Because, like, how common are demons? Like, is it, um, is there a particular, like, animal
1: that's the most common animal to have as a demon? I mean, they said that most pe- most servants' demons are dogs. Yeah. So I imagine... Domestic animals are probably quite common mm. um as demons, but yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine everyone in the world has a snow leopard like Azrael. Yeah, that is a bit
0: extra. Or, or a golden a monkey.
1: Like, yeah, I feel I like you've him. got to have a pretty fierce imagination to have a golden monkey True. demon. True. Uh, so yeah, Boreal is powerful
0: looking and grey haired, and as we said, he's got a serpent demon. He asks her about the master, so he obviously knows the master. He asks about him, and and I think he calls him an old friend,
1: maybe. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's trying to ingratiate himself with her. Yeah. I, she, I don't think she's buying it. Yeah. And then he asks her what Missus Colt is teaching her,
0: um, and she is aware that he's being patronising, which is great. She's so clever, and possibly, um, think she thinks that she might be able to get a rise out of him.
1: Yeah, which I like. Yeah, I like that she's a bit like being like patronizing yeah i'm gonna mention a bunch of stuff that i know people get weird about whenever yeah. i talk about it or yeah. whenever i hear it spoken about exactly so she says she's learning about
0: uh, Ruskov- uh Ruskov particles and the ablation board and then he asks her to tell her um to tell him what she knows and then they have like a bit of a converse i think i've put a sticker next to it but i don't think we need to read the whole
1: thing mm. we, could, we could try and read it like a script if you want oh my god <laughs> yes let's try something new <laughs> yeah
0: do you want to be lyra or do you want to be uh boreal oh i don't mind yes
1: what would you want to be we're just gonna read the bits that people read yes um i will be boreal because his lines are shorter <laughs> <laughs> uh, good evening child good evening how is my old friend the master of jordan very well thank you i expect they were all sorry to say goodbye to you yes they were and is, this, is Mrs. Coulter keeping you busy? What is she teaching you? I'm learning about rustic
0: particles and about the ablation board.
1: And then I become very focused on at once. <laughs> <laughs> Suppose you tell me what you know.
0: They're doing experiments in the North, like Dr. Grumman. Go on. They've got this special kind of photogram where you can see dust. And when you see a man, there's like all light coming to him and there's none on a child, at least not so much.
1: Did Mrs. Coulter show you a picture like that? No...
0: I saw that one at Jordan College. Who showed it to you? He wasn't really showing it to me. I was just passing by and I saw it. And then my friend Roger was taken by the ablation board, but... Who showed you that picture? My Uncle Asriel. When? When he was in Jordan
1: College last time. I see. And what else have you been learning about? Did I hear you mention the ablation board?
0: Yes, but I didn't hear about that from him. I heard it here.
1: And yeah, I I enjoyed that. Yes, um oh my god, I'm not done oh no. Okay, okay. I'll keep going, I'll keep going. <laughs> Actually I just I just wanna say that I like that Lyra's kind of piecing true. a whole bunch of stuff together. Yeah. It's all from stuff she's overheard tonight. Yeah. I feel like she doesn't know that she's piecing stuff together until she's, like, saying it out loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone wants to commission Rach and Ra- I Ra- for some acting. <laughs> My voice acting <laughs> extraordinary. I'm so consistent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So they're, like, they carry on chatting
1: about the ablation board and all that kind of stuff. He asks Lyra if she's been involved in it. I think she's very clever to mention the ablation board. Yeah. Because she's learned what she thinks she can learn about Mm. dust from overhearing people. Yeah. And now she mentions the ablation board and he's like, oh, Mrs. Coulter must have decided you were ready to help her in that work. Have you taken part yet? Mm. And she doesn't know what he's on about, but Pantalaamon is cleverly a moth, so he's not giving the game away.
0: Yeah, that's, I like that.
1: And he's like, has she told you what happened to the children? She's like, no. Um, But she knows it's kind of a sacrifice. Yeah. And he says,
0: um, sacrifice is rather a dramatic way of putting it. What's done is for their good as well as ours. And of course, they all come to Mrs. Coulter willingly. That's why she's so valuable. They must want to take part and what child could resist her? And if she's going to use you as well to bring them in, so much the better. I'm very pleased.
1: It's creepy. Mm. It's really creepy. Yeah, it is. Um, like, yeah. is... Also, I love that at that, Lyra just like smiles politely at him and kind of walks off to talk
0: to someone. He obviously thinks that she's involved in that and she still doesn't have really any idea what he's talking about. Obviously, she knows um, she knows now that the gobblers are the ablation board, but like we said earlier, we still don't know what the hell is happening to these kids.
1: Yeah, um, and she knows 100%, not only is Mrs. Coulter in charge of the board that's stealing the children, but he's basically said, you know, the children come to Coulter willingly. Yeah. She, Lyra knows that Coulter is physically stealing the children yeah. Like, and oh, luring yeah. them in. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. been 100%. She's not just the secretary for the society that does it. She's like so actually
0: actively doing
1: it herself. Yeah. Yeah. She's gobbling. Yes, she is. So
0: Lyra and Pan are horrified um, and they want to run away back to Jordan College and find and it And then as she thinks that she hears somebody else talking about Asriel, so she goes over to listen to them. And then we learn that he's, like, been captured. Mm -hmm. He's been held in a fortress, as a spellboard. He's a prisoner. Mm -hmm. And then it says he's protected by Panzerbjorn, which we then learn are armoured bears. So in the first chapter, where they mention Panzerbjorn, and then they mention bears, and we were like, what the fuck, why are they talking about bears? now we know yeah Yeah. that's what pants and beyond are they are armored bears and whoever's talking says that he'll never escape
1: them and then there's lots of other stuff said here i think this is like i kind of imagine it as like lyra's like in this room and it's all becoming a bit of a spin yeah and there's just information 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 coming from every angle and she's like overwhelmed i imagine it's like a spinning camera shot
0: yeah yeah yeah, i did as well Yeah. yeah very like panicked um She's just hearing snippets of everyone's conversation. Bombs dropping everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we learn about dust and that it's an emanation of the dark principle.
1: Which I don't know what that means. We don't know what that means yet. <laughs> He's talking about someone's like, um, do I detect the Zoro- Zoroastrian heresy? Some kind of heresy. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have no idea what that is either. And it's like, Svalbard, S- no, Armored Bears, Ablation Board. The children don't suffer. I'm sure of it. Lord Asriel imprisoned and like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. like it's a it's a lot to take in.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it is. It and is. like,
1: I like that this whole past couple of pages have been a lot for Lyra to take in. It's been a lot for us to take in. Yeah, and then we reach this point where probably as the reader, we're done taking in information, and like so is Lyra. We've yeah. only got snippets of sentences because Lyra is done taking information in. Yeah, she is overwhelmed. She can't do um, it anymore. Yeah, yeah. She uh, goes into her bedroom,
0: uh, and they just—they decide that they need to run away now. Um, and but they're scared that uh, the monkey demon will notice, and they're both like really, really terrified of him now. Mm. Unsurprisingly, yeah. Little prick. Oh, and then Pan says it'll fight him this time. <sighs> oh, he's so brave. He is. Oh god! And then he goes to spy so that they can make an escape. And then she puts on some warm clothes, packs a bag, and then we learn that, like, Mrs. Colt has just been giving her money like it's fucking sweets, so she puts some money away as well to take that her. Yeah,
1: I find that interesting, Colt, giving her money like sweets is almost like that thing of, like, an adult that doesn't really know what to do with a child. Yeah, yeah, And, like, doesn't give them the right
0: things. Just give you some money, because what are you going to do with it? You're a fucking kid, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so she takes her bag, the money... Um and then she packs the lithiometer, um and they wonder like has the monkey seen it? Yeah, mm. we don't know. We don't know. And then Pan tells her the curse is clear and they run for the door and they escape.
1: Yeah, and
0: then that's it. It's the end. Bam bam bam. What did uh? What did you think?
1: I kind of went into it being like, well, you know, nothing's as long as chapter three. (laughs) It'll be fine. And I made more notes in this chapter than any other chapter. I keep adding to my sticky note collection. I really liked it. It was like a lot, a lot of information. It was kind of like going back to chapter two, where suddenly you're expected to kind of absorb a lot of politics and stuff. Yeah. It was done in quite, it was done in a good way. That was Mm. still like sufficiently dramatic. And that you go from this like, so like at the end of the last chapter... Lyra was alone in the big city with a woman that we knew was bad. Yeah. Halfway through the chapter, she's alone in the big city with a woman that she knows is bad. Mm -hmm. At the end of the chapter, she's just alone in the big city on the run from this woman she knows is bad. Yeah, exactly. Like, all on her own. Lyra and Pan against the world! Oh. Yeah.
0: It's a very, like, very tense chapter. Um, It's, like, really tense all the way through, actually. Because we're, like you said, we're learning well lyra's learning now that mrs coulter is evil it kind of like upends the rug again because it's like we were at jordan college we were all comfortable there we were loving life at jordan college and then suddenly we're moving in with mrs coulter and we're like fuck okay maybe it'll settle down now and we'll we'll stay with mrs coulter and then no no wait no just one chapter there and now now we're now we're off on the run and it's like okay shit i imagine lyra feels much the same yeah (laughs) And it's the biggest passage of time that we've seen so far. It spans like a couple of months, doesn't it, when she's there. uh, there. Mm. Um, And then this all leads me back to thinking that poor fucking Roger has been... This whole time. This whole time. He's not been there. He's been fucking kidnapped this whole time. What is happening to him? I don't know. Poor Roger. Poor Roger. Have you got an award to give out?
1: I have a note that says, my award this week is four, and then I never (laughs) wrote down an award. I really struggled this week. I feel like we've not met very many nice people. Mm. I might give my award... I don't know. I would give my award to Adele Star Minister, but I'm just not... I'm not feeling it today. Mm. I feel like what I'm going to do is award (laughs) for being incredibly useful and convenient despite being a total prick. The guy that's been mansplaining to star minister <laughs> um because lyra needs to hear that information so isn't yeah. it as fragile masculinity as an incredibly useful plot de- device to find information you win that award mr fragile masculinity wow. mansplain that's great I that's think, yeah my convoluted yeah. award of the week
0: no well deserved well <laughs> deserved yeah yeah well i decided to give my award to adele oh
1: okay she did deserve it yeah i thought she
0: she she was living her best life doing her trying to do her best Mm -hmm. she was doing what she could with the information that she she was getting and she really really tried her best to get that info and i enjoyed that she was willing to get it by any means necessary. yeah and also using her wiles Also, she obviously had her suspicions about Mrs. Coulter and she was still brave and badass enough to sneak into a party that she wasn't invited to.
1: Yeah. I think what made me a bit sad was that she's brave and badass, she's manipulating that guy, she's doing her journalist thing. And then under the force of Coulter's glare, she just goes all fainting, a bit limp. Yeah, and I just kind of wish know, there maybe. was that little bit last yeah. bit of more fight in her. Yeah. To kind of I feel like she she needs to like leave the building, but, like, shake her fist and be like, you won't get away with this, Colter. I'll yeah. write an expose.
0: <laughs> Do you know who she reminds me of?
1: Who? Veronica Miles.
0: Ah! <laughs> but not, but uh, up until that bit where she, because Veronica Mars wouldn't have taken Mrs. Colter's shit. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, yeah. Or she would have pretended to, and then written the expose. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the next chapter called?
1: The next chapter is The Throwing Nets. Ooh. Mm. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod, and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. And if you want to help us out, please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people to find us.
0: I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, I'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Faye Lee, which is Y, And if you want to read some of my blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.ducker.
1: I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about Demons and Dust, I'm making designer toys, art, and illustrations. You can find me over on Instagram at rachmakes, and on Twitter at Rach underscore on makes, and over on my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk. A huge thank you to Johnny Knopp for his musical stylings and for help with navigating all the scary tech stuff.
0: We'll see you in a bit more than two weeks' time. We'll see you after Christmas. But don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Happy New Year. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's 2020.